fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 378 yeah Welcome to another episode, Who fans, hope you're keeping well and safe, we hope you've had a cracking week, and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Related. Too slow again, mate. Yeah, losing it, losing it all. <laughs> you're losing it, mate, aren't we all? <laughs> hey, welcome to another week, everyone, and uh, we've got some uh, a wee bit of news. It's not news as in like, oh wow, like this new thing's happening in Doctor Who. Uh, but it's a very worthwhile, very good cause um, bit of news, which we got onto. And then we're on to our review, obviously, of the first Doctor story, The Web Planet. Mm-hmm. Got some really interesting thoughts on this one, bud. I bet you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure looking forward have. to hearing your thoughts on this, actually, having rewatched it this week. Mm. Yeah, yeah. what you made of it. Indeedy, yes. Uh, it's been a quiet week for the Big Blue Box team. We haven't really done anything. No. Doctor Who related so as usual we're fake fans for another week (laughs) (laughs) you lot you too you're so fake like you go on the show you say you're doctor who fans but then you say you don't have you've done nothing nothing they've done nothing to do with doctor who what's wrong with you there are some people out there listening to 10 big finishes a week and reading doctor who magazine Mm. from page to page and (laughs) i don't know what else is there watching and all their blu-ray sets and extra features exactly yeah <clears throat> all the people with too much time on their hands clearly <laughs> yeah in all seriousness though we do um we do dive into a wee bit of doctor who on a weekly but usually mm. we do something don't we you've got something coming up this week haven't you bud you're off to uh you're off to something at the weekend which you'll be able to report on next week yeah yeah so i'm off to the bfi uh this weekend which i'm very excited about always love those events and they're screening the sea devils <clears throat> this time which is uh, obviously because the blu-ray set coming out and it's one of my favorite stories mm. <clears throat> so just to be able to see that on the big screen is going to be a treat um and obviously they normally show us a few little of you know nuggets of of some of the special features that are going to be on that set so yeah i'm very excited for that i don't know whether our our roving reporter maria the last time I spoke to her, she hadn't managed to get a ticket. I've been keeping an eye out, but there hasn't been any. Um, but whether she's managed to get one, I don't know. I'll check in with her later because I really hope she's there to do a written report on it because um, I'll be too drunk to do one. So it's no good relying on me, as we know. But uh, yeah, I'll go, I hope she managed to get one in the end. But <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if she did. Yeah, it's it's gutting, isn't it? It's always, um, for a listener, if you're not sure on what Adam means by the BFI, we speak about it all the time. We try and get to most of the events, but uh, the BFI is um, uh, the British Film Institute down at South Bank in London, and they have a very cool cinema there. And it's not your typical cinema where they play new releases and all that stuff. They typically uh, hold special screenings for more kind of indie films and 
uh, sort of TV and film restoration projects, etc. And for the past few years, uh, the BBC have held events there. Normally, they'll screen something that's coming from, uh, that's in an upcoming uh, box set from these Blu-ray collections that have been out for the last few years. And uh, we try and get to them. So the Sea Devils, though, dude, what's the, why, why that one? In terms of, because uh, that's not going to be on an upcoming set, is it? That's already, or is it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's on the, yeah, so season nine. Oh, nine, of course, yeah. S- season nine's coming yeah, out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when, actually. It must be this month. Now we're into March. Oh, okay. Uh, not sure yeah. when the release date is for that. Yeah, so, so it's this to uh, promote season nine. Oh, I see. Yes, of course. Yep. So the Sea Devils, when we reviewed that way back in episode 96, I gave it an eight. You gave it an 8.5. It's it's a good yeah. and I, I I love it. Yeah, it's always been a story I've enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to that. It's a cracking story, isn't it, dude? And you know what? <clears throat> Delgado is freaking sweet. Oh, story, you know, right? yeah, sword fights. You know, the Doctor with his Sonic on the beach. It's, there's loads of great stuff in this one. You got boat chase, obviously. You know, you got the Doctor <laughs> on the what they call those hover hover boat things. He'll be hovercrafts, yeah. Yeah, hovercraft. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be cracking to watch that on the big screen. And the yeah. thing is, it is um, talking about not getting tickets. It is so hard to get tickets to these events now. They are so popular. The BFI events. I know we've said it before, but because I mean, they they put them on sale to members first. Then two days later, the general public can have a go. But normally, they've already sold out before they even go on to general sale. But what I didn't realise because when I was a member. I threw my toys out of the pram once because I specifically became a member to <laughs> because I was fed up of missing out on getting tickets. And then there was one Tom Baker event that I was there the second they went on sale and still couldn't get one. And I was going mad. I was like, what's the point of being a member? How can they be sold out before they've even gone on general sale? And I didn't realise they've got like this exclusive, I don't know what it's called, like this extra member club that get to buy them even earlier than the members. I, I don't know yeah. what it's called. The loot, the, I don't know, some, some other group of people that can pay an extra membership, an extra, extra membership that get first dibs. So I'm mm. like, that's why they were always sold out before it even went into members. So it's very difficult to get one, uh, even if you're a member. <laughs> mm. um, I, thankfully, a friend of mine, because uh, I'm not a member anymore, managed to grab me one. Um, and he said it was a nightmare. He said he put it in his basket three times and then it said it was sold out and he thought he wasn't going to get it. And then he kept refreshing and he finally managed to, you know, go to the payment bit. But um, it's stress, mate. It's stress. And it's, it's such a lovely cinema, but I don't know how many people it holds because it's, it's big, but it's not big, isn't it? It's like hmm. it's a nice size, but it's not, the capacity is not huge. How many people would you say that thing holds yeah, for a screening? Yeah. Uh... 150 people maybe yeah something like that and of course half of that or no not half of it but there's a big chunk of that is like the bbc lot or anyone that's involved in it there's Mm. there's always a section for like people they're interviewing or someone who's worked on the set that get their tickets to go to it and stuff so that you know they take up a big portion obviously which is fair enough because they've worked on the set so that takes up a portion of the seats it is it's difficult to get tickets so but uh, they are good fun if you can get to them indeedy yeah that's the main thing if you can get one if you can get a ticket then um i mean it normally requires just jumping on as soon as the tickets become available so just keep an eye on the website for this is for mm. upcoming events um they normally announce it mm, a couple of months out i think or at least six weeks out something that's like that. right yeah and they'll tell you the date in which the tickets go on sale so the best thing you can do really is just to hop on there 
the moment they become general sale and mm. fingers crossed all of the people that have paid the extra extra <laughs> mm. membership stuff haven't um bagged them all but yeah there are they're good fun so um the sea devils dude that's going to be wicked and what an iconic monster as well i know so good oh so good well and then, actually, and then next week mate i've got the it'd be interesting to compare it because next week i'm going to or the following weekend i mean i'm going to uh riverside studios they're doing a doctor who day featuring some episodes from the hartner era that were filmed at riverside studios and uh, it's yeah. going to be a very similar thing, I think. They've got, like, Caroline Ford there, and um, I think Peter Purvis is there. Uh, they're going to be doing, like, photo sessions afterwards where you can meet them. Um, and obviously you get to watch them on the big screen. So they're only showing certain episodes, I think. Um, mm. One of them, ironically, that we're going to be watching is episode six of The Web Planet. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll get to see it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, so nice. it'll be interesting because I've, I've never been to a screening at the Riverside. Oh, I have actually, but it was, they've, they've modernized it massively since I went and many, many years ago, I went to see the Peter Cushing films. Oh, okay. I'd like did a back to back double bill at the Riverside studios, but it, it looks like a totally different place now. They've totally revamped it. So, um, I, I would imagine it'd be a totally different screen, but I remember getting cross with my partner cause he managed to stay awake for the first film <laughs> And then the second one, oh I could God. see him nodding off. And I was like, I kept nudging him. I was like, this is the good one. You, Why didn't you fall asleep during the first one? And he was getting really cross with him. I was like, watch this bit. And oh, I could just oh, see his head mate. going. Yeah, it's too much for him back to back. <laughs> Bloody hell. I know. But yes, yeah, so that'd be cool. So got two two weekends of who. <laughs> two weekends of who. There we go. Yeah. Not fake fans after all. No, still I think Maria still. might be going to the, the Riverside. She I, is, I think, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So I'll see her at that one if I don't see her at BFI. Yes, yeah. That's our writer, Maria. I'm sure you listeners know, but just for those that don't, our roving reporter and uh, writer. Yes, I was going to mention, actually, yeah, those of you that don't know, Maria is one of our, uh, one of our writing team members, one of the superstars. And uh, she, normally, um, she normally gives a good review and a rundown of doctor who events and whatnot and yeah. uh, just quickly i need to mention because she uh, she told me off actually a couple <laughs> of weeks ago for not mentioning them slap me down did she yeah she gave me a, a clip around the around <laughs> the ear um uh, she's doing a, a a massive um uh rewatch at the moment and uh, she's going through um she's still in the Hartnell years at the moment and uh, mm. she's doing a really in-depth write-up on our discord server so um join a, um i was going to come on to this anyway but just hop into our discord server there's a link on the website which is big blue box podcast at credit uk and um under the uh in the classic who channel she's giving a really good write uh write-up and and review i think the last one she did she was production code h which was the reign of terror Mm. and all that stuff so yeah um go and give some give maria some love over in discord definitely in the discord and uh yeah do all that so she's very cool maria she uh she blasts our ears off and the old round table bless <laughs> her yeah with her equipment and stuff but no she's uh <laughs> she's very cool anyways next weekend so this weekend bfi next weekend riverside yeah it's gonna be awesome dude yeah okay um before we get on to the news just mention very quickly this is not really news it's just an update um but it's just nice to know that things are ticking over as they should do over mm -hmm. on the production side of things on the new doctor who stuff so filming for block three has begun uh, on series 14 that started yesterday in fact on the 1st of march oh right cool. which is very cool so russell's been on the old instagram on the official doctor who bbc doctor who channel mm -hmm. and has said um 
that he's working with uh, with director Julie Ann Robinson uh, on block three, uh, which is going to be um, so block two ended um, the other day, and that was the filming of the festive special, right? Which was um, Shooty's or going to be Shooty's first full episode mm-hmm. as the Doctor, and um, uh, block four. Uh, that's coming up. That's going to be directed by Ben Chessel. That was announced in the last Doctor Who magazine. Um, and then Block 3, I think, is going to be... Um, block 3 uh, is going to be two episodes. Um, and the first of those episodes, there's no title yet. It's just referred to as opening episode. So that oh, suggests right. that Block 3 filming for these two is going to be a two-parter. So... Mm. sounds rather good and it was cool because um yesterday obviously for anyone that's that's welsh or knows anybody who is welsh it was st david's day yesterday so russell t davis was up on the uh socials putting some nice welsh spreading the welsh love because mm. that's where doctor who is still made and filmed and produced and everything so yeah uh block three rocking and rolling dude so all sounds good on that front it does. I love that little video they did, that little, uh, of them handing the flower to each the, crew member the to flower? introduce them. The daffodils. Daffodil. Yes. Oh, yeah, daffodils flower. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's a nice, nice uh, idea, that. I like that. Yes, it's very cool. Uh, yes, that's block three, all rocking and rolling, but we have got some uh, some news to speak about, so uh, uh, let's land or take off in the TARDIS and report on the new com that's coming up. Yes, Bedford Who Charity Con. <laughs> Number eight is nearly upon us. So we report on this every year. It's such a very, it's such a cool, it sounds like a very cool con anyway, but it's a very good cause. Um, the reason why uh, it's called Charity Con is because all the all the ticket sales, all the proceeds and everything, everything goes to charity, 100%, which is, um, which is very cool. So um, Bedford uh, Who Charity Con is, if you're, unfamiliar if you're in a different part of the country it's in the southeast of the of the uk it's not too far mm-hmm. from london it's probably about i don't know half an hour on the train something like that and um the date for this year's one is saturday the 18th of march it's at the king's house in bedford and as i mentioned all profits from the day are donated in uh, on this occasion this year they're going to two local charities the first one is bedford food bank uh, who provide emergency food to two thousand people a month which wow. is absolutely disgusting mm. in honestly in, in honesty but it's an incredible amount, yeah isn't it? but yeah. unfortunately is necessary at the moment so bedford food bank and then the second one is a charity called faces and they work with local families and um who have particular uh, needs so two very cool local charities last year for bedford con seven they raised uh, just over ten thousand pounds. Wow, that's good. Wh- yeah, worth of uh, donations to the, to, um, the charities there, which is very very cool. Mm. And the um, they have some very cool guests there as well. So this year yeah. the guest list is Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury, and uh, who's going to be joined by uh, Neve McIntosh or Macintosh. Uh, I don't know how she prefers that pronounced. No, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, she's going to be there, and apparently. That's a bit of a, a rare occasion, mm. uh, which is very cool. Uh, we've also got uh, David Goodison, who was, how would you say that, is like um, Davros version 2, 2.0. Mm. 
I guess he was a second uh, Davros. He's going to be there. Um, we also have uh, Jenny Linden. Now, this is a bit of a tenuous link because Jenny played Barbara in the Peter Cushing film Doctor Who and the Daleks that you just mentioned. Oh, right. Yes. She hasn't done a convention in a while, as far as I'm aware. No, she hasn't. No. Uh-huh. So she's done, she's done a few things over the years. Mm. But um, obviously, as Who fans... Uh, you'll know her as um, as Barbara in the Cushing film. Uh, Sadie Miller, who is Elizabeth Sladen's daughter, she plays uh, Sarah Jane in the Big Finish audio. She'll be there. Christopher Naylor, uh, also from Big Finish, he plays uh, Harry Sullivan. He'll be there. Uh, mentioned Wendy Padbury, she'll be there. A guy called Peter Roy. Um, Peter Roy is just a name that's just popped up all over Classic Who. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in Who through the Troughton years, Pertwee, Tom Baker, Davison, and uh, he just popped up in loads of things. And uh, another guy that's popped up in quite a few things, Christopher Ryan. So he's been in a couple of classic Who stories, uh, Trial of a Time Lord, he played General Style, and then he's also been in uh, newer Doctor Who as well. So he was uh, one of the um, Centaurans. He was Commander Stark in the Pandora Opens, and also General Stahl in the Centauran Stratagem and the Poison Sky. Mm. the matt smith story which i haven't seen in bloody yonks you know no no nor have i actually yeah uh yeah so it sounds like a very cool thing and not to um i've just noticed this guy's name on the list a guy called andrew burford now you probably wouldn't know that name just if i said it and just left it there but andrew is um generally one of the stunt guys or one of the guys in one of the monster and alien costumes and so on um his biggest credit, I guess, he was Cyber Bill in The Doctor Falls, the Peter Capaldi story. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But he's often in a costume doing all the stunts and everything. So he's worked um, on loads of Capaldi stuff and then recently a load of the Jodie Whittaker things. But he's also done Star Wars, Wonder Woman, Transformers. You know, he's a he's a proper, proper Hollywood stunt dude. So he'll be there <laughs> as well. Uh, so... Um, it's open from 10 to half past five in Bedford. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can go and bag your tickets. And, uh, as a, as a little sweetener, I guess you can get 10% off your ticket price. Um, if you email Simon Danes at the Bedford charity con. So the email address f- to catch Simon on is info at Bedford And just in the subject or in the email, just say that you've read about or heard about the con via the Doctor Who News website. And then he'll reply back with a code and you can get 10% off your ticket. So uh, if you're interested in going, if you've not been before or if this sounds rather good and the guests sound very cool, then um, then, uh, yeah, get your 10% discount and uh, and go to that and uh, get your get your who on. But apparently Mm. Colin Baker really likes it. The standout fan. And guest event of the year, says Colin Baker. And uh, Louise Jameson says, of all the conventions I've attended over the years, Bedford is way up there with the best. And by all accounts, if you head over to the website, which is just bedfordwhocharitycon.co.uk, you'll be able to see um, just loads of very cool photos and videos of the past events and and all that stuff. It looks, it does look like a really cool con, dude. Um it does. does. It's a nice little lineup, isn't it? That I mean, Fraser and Wendy together are always great fun, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good good little guest list on that. I should imagine that'd be a great day. It does look very cool. Yeah, and they've normally yeah. got loads of props and costumes littered about, and opportunities to meet everybody as you would expect at these things, and yeah, and all that jazz. So yeah, if you do attend, let us know. Hit us up on the socials, 
and uh, let us know what you what you thought of it. And um, yeah, I'm sure it's good. But more, most importantly, it's for a very good cause. So yes. that above anything else, uh, get involved for that reason. Indeed. Okie dokie, before we crack on with our review, um, if you're joining us for the first time, if you're a new listener to the Big Blue Box, then welcome aboard. It's great to have you here. If you're a long-time listener, one of the grizzled ancients, then welcome aboard. But what, whoever you are, please make sure that you are following or subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode when they land every single Friday. You can also listen over on the website for free, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And you can read the awesome reviews and articles from our writing team, like Maria, who we mentioned, but also Jordan, Mark, um, Matt and Harry. And um, there are links to the socials on our website as well. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, so come and get involved over there. And as I mentioned, we have a very cool free Discord server. So links on the website, hop in there and chat Doctor Who with other Who fans. And lastly, don't forget to remember, remember. <laughs> go and check out my co-host channel on YouTube. He runs his own thing over there. It's Adam's show. It's called The Geek's Handbag. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I do my own thing. <laughs> called The Geek's Handbag YouTube channel. Mostly Doctor Who stuff, so go and check out my YouTube channel. Also on all the socials, of course. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All the things. Oh, on TikTok, don't forget. A well, little bit of TikTok here and anymore. There. I don't like oh, it. Oh, we don't like it anymore. <laughs> my friend said to me the other day, why don't you delete it then? I'm like, because it's so <laughs> blimmin' popular that I'm just still using it. But it's like, oh, why, why? Oh, don't get me started on TikTok. Oh, I love that <laughs> attitude as well. We'll just delete but, it then. Love yeah, it. get rid of it. <laughs> it's like everyone uses it. I feel like, you know, I've got to be part of it, but I don't get the I don't get the buzz of TikTok. Oh it takes me an hour just to do a little three second video. I'm like sat there trying to put the music on and then it changes the music when I haven't pressed it and then I try and put a caption on and it puts it all over the whole video instead of the end and oh it drives me mad. No oh wonder dear. I'm haven't got any hair. Pulled oh it all dear. out thanks to TikTok. If anyone wants to get in contact with some some TikTok tutorials and courses, then Adam will be. Adam would love to hear from you. I mean, not only the fact is that it's in, it's it's stealing all the information from a phone. Apparently, oh, apparently maybe so. I should just delete it. Maybe. So go and anyway, find go Adam and, on TikTok. Yeah, all three videos. Go and enjoy them. <laughs> but mainly his YouTube channel, The Geek Sandbag, is a treasure yeah. trove of awesome geekery. So grab a grab a drink and and uh, get comfy and and watch through all that stuff. Alrighty, review time, bud. What have we got? Yeah, so we're drifting back to the first Doctor era and we're going to the web planet. All responses negative. They are thin and static. Doctor, can't there just be something wrong with the TARDIS? Wrong, my boy. We've been dragged off our course. Barbara? Barbara, where are you? Kill her. You chose him when you chose to land on Bortis? I keep telling you we didn't choose. Our ship was forced here. I've seen a colony of ants eat their way right through a house. That size, they could eat their way through a mountain. What lies at the center? None of us have ever seen it and lived. Disarm Tabawande Boot. Disperse the spearhead. They will be massacred. Exciting trailer. This this story sounds really exciting. Yeah, 
Can't wait to get your thoughts on this one. <laughs> you can always rely on um, on a good fan trailer to to bring the excitement, I guess. But um, right, the Web Planet was. It's a six parter. The first part went out on the thirteenth of February, nineteen sixty five. So unfortunately, back then, if you had Valentine's Day plans, that was shot to bits, <laughs> and then that went through each week. And then the last part was broadcast on the twentieth of March. 1965. It was written by Bill Strutton, directed by Richard Martin, overseen by Dennis Spooner. And this was back in the day. This is like the early days, Verity Lambert times and, yes. and all that. It starred William Hartnell, of course, as the first Doctor, with uh, William Russell, Jacqueline Hill, and Maureen O'Brien as Vicky. Um, uh, a supporting cast, um, all in costume. And the synopsis <laughs> is, on the planet Vortis, the Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Vicky are swept up in the struggles of the butterfly-like Monoptera, the original denizens of Vortis, who are forced to flee the planet for the moon Pictos to escape the encroaching web of the Animus and its mind-controlled minions, the ant-like Zabi, and their living weapons, the larvae guns. Ooh. There you go. So, bud... I don't know when you last watched this, man, but well, for me, this is a long time since I watched this. It was like yes. watching it fresh for me. And uh, yeah, as always, mate, what do you think to this story? Mm. <laughs> I actually can't remember when I last watched this, in all honesty. But I've, So I've rewatched it this week and I watched it two episodes at a time. So two on Monday, two Tuesday, two Wednesday uh, to break it up a little bit. And uh, to be honest, I, I had a headache by the end of, <laughs> end of watching this story. No, not just from the bleeping, bleeping bleeps that were absolutely driving me mad, um, but just from watching it because of the, the Vaseline on the screen and it's a picture just looking so terrible. Um, I found this a real slog, mate, a real slog. And actually, worse than I remembered because. I put it on, and a bit like you just said, I thought, oh, I haven't watched this for a while. It'd be quite, I remember it's interesting, you know, and I absolutely love the ambition of it, right? Let's get that clear. I, you know, I love the idea, the costumes. I can see the effort's gone into it, but my goodness, do I find it a hard watch. I mean, got, got through the first two episodes. They were okay. It sort of sets the story. I always like, I tend to find my heart on stories. I always like the first episode because you get you know, the Doctor and that and the TARDIS and they check everything, is the planet safe? And, uh, you know, there's normally some setup in the first episode, so that was all right. Um, but it, it really starts to drag pretty early on for me, this one. So even after the first episode, I was went on to the second one and was getting a bit, finding it a bit tedious, thought, right, I'll give it a break. Uh, by episode five and six, mate, last night, I, I was just, oh, is this ever going to end? And I didn't have a clue what mm. was going on. <laughs> I, it would just seem to be... It just seemed to be random scenes of people running about in ant costumes and, and then these funny, what are the cloth creatures called? The larvae thing. What are the, um, yeah, the opt Optera or whatever they're called. They suddenly come into it. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I struggled with this one. I really, really struggled, mate. And I hoped, I hoped it would be the story that, because I hadn't watched it in a while, that when I watched it, although I knew it was going to be slow because I remember it, you know, being hard work. I hoped it would be charming and and it would still be fairly enjoyable to watch. But in all honesty, apart from really the first episode and the fact that I do appreciate, you know, the ambition of the story and what they're trying to do, um, there's very little I could could enjoy in the story. I really found it a slog. 
So not a favourite. And I, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did, in all honesty. Because I love the costumes and I <laughs> I love the scenes of the Monoptra flying about across the studio. I thought it was, you know, there's one or two shots in there that look beautiful, but the rest of it is so stilted and flat and slow and they keep bringing that blimmin' hairdryer down and putting it on the first Doctor's head and... No, I, I struggled. I really struggled to finish this, mate. And as I said, I watched it two episodes at a time, so I, re- I even broke it up quite nicely. But last night, watching those last two episodes, oh, I just wanted it to end. I can't believe I've got to watch it again at the Riverside. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Thankfully, they're only showing episode six, I think. So That's why I was but, laughing uh, yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah not, not a fan of this one. I'm sad to say. I've, I see the potential. I see the ambition. But... Oh. Yeah, it's not one I'll be watching again anytime soon. Oh, dude. Okay. Um. Yeah, I agree with most of that, dude. With the with what you're saying there, I think. Um, ah, crikey! You know, in the past when we reviewed Classic Who, and we've said the the concept and the story is 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 pretty sweet. You know, it's a it's a great mm. idea. I think this story really encapsulates that whole uh, a great story but just nowhere near enough money to to pull it off unfortunately it's mm-hmm. one of those things where Bill Strutton turned in the scripts and you know Dennis Spooner and the other people involved you know I don't know whether Richard Martin and director was on board at that point when they were okaying scripts and story but they probably read it and thought this is this is great you know it's one of those things where we're not talking about mechanical monsters it's, it's, we're not daleks here it's mm. you know it's a very we're dealing with a very organic um uh, level of uh, of creatures and, and everything in the story um but they must have just at the same time thought how the hell are we going to pull this off now unfortunately as i mentioned because of lack of budget and everything for doctor who there's literally only so much you can do on the same set Mm. for hours and hours on end and you can try and make it look otherworldly and ethereal you know you can put as much vaseline over the lens as you like and and boy do they and boy do they go with that effect here that technique and um and you can do that but it just wears off really quickly and the other thing as well is that the sound design for this. Now, I'm not talking about music, the, the, the music itself, which is by a couple of people, um, some French composers, I believe, mm. um, Jacques Lazerie and Francois Bachet. I think I'm saying that right. They came up with this kind of weird, uh, almost unsettling kind of musical score at times. It almost sounds like a fairground uh, kind of thing, but... The sound design, so whenever the Zabi are on screen, I'm just rubbing my temples, mate, and sh- yeah. closing my eyes and thinking, <laughs> I've got to turn my TV down. But then when I turn the TV down, I can't hear what the actors are saying. And, mate, honestly, I can't imagine what you're going to go through in the cinema because oh. it felt like oh, every, every minute it was like this whoop, 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 whoop. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, and after episode three, mate, I'm like, I'm going to hoi my bloody cup at the wall in a minute and <laughs> bloody get some ear muffins or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the sound design, mate, it was just uh, just so loud and like brain-piercingly 
oh i don't know so that aside um it was okay i mean the thing is there wasn't even any oh, there wasn't even any big doctor who lore that you could kind of slot in in places and have these lovely little scenes between the doctor and vicky perhaps or the doctor and barbara mm. or something like that it was just literally a the tardis has been pulled to this planet and uh and as usual they're frustrated with the doctor because he's all he's loving it to begin with as he usually yeah. is you know thinking he's the man pilot in the tardis and yeah everything's cool and then they realize that they've crash landed somewhere and it's <laughs> completely not to plan and you know you can see that ian's just always just losing his rag and to make matters worse the Doctor completely destroys his Coal Hill School tie. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't sit pretty with him at all. So, <laughs> you know, and and then that's it, really. That's as soon as they crash land on the planet, they they very quickly realise that the uh, the Zabi are, are are bad, bad, bad. Mm. And the Monoptera are... At first, they think the Monoptera are pretty bad as well, but then it turns out they discover later that it's actually the Monoptera's home planet and they were forced to leave because of the invasion of the Zabi and they want to take their planet back and all the rest of it. And then to throw in the mix, just when there wasn't enough going on, we have these other dudes as well, these kind of descendants of the Monoptera. I think they're called the Optera or the... Yeah, Op- that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which are like... <laughs> to these. So, um, you know what I'm going to say. So, um, Richard Martin, the director, said, look, you're essentially in a sleeping bag. But we're not going to help you out and modify it so you can walk. You're going to have to hop around <laughs> like you are a child at a sleepover in a sleeping bag with your hands bound. Oh, mate. So it's conceptually, it's okay. You know, it's it's pretty cool. The only thing is um, it's just the repetitiveness, I think, of the story. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what you know, I'm driving at. It's um, There's only so many times you can watch people in costumes clumsily run around a very small confined set with Vaseline smudged all over the lens. Mm. You can only watch that happen a certain amount of times before it's like, hmm, this is absolutely, there is absolutely not enough story in here for six parts. No No way. This could, this could have been, we often say, don't we, that six parters could very easily be fours. I think this one dude could be a two parter. Mm. It could really easily have been episode one, let's set up the story and then episode two let's defeat let's defeat the zabi or no let's defeat the aminus the animus sorry yeah release its hold on the zabi everyone's because the the last five minutes are lovely really nice you've got the um the optera like hopping around laughing and giggling you've got the monoptera who are like doing their little this is amazing (laughs) you know everything's cool the doctor gets his ring back. Ian's still miffed about his tie, but never mind. You know, and it's it's a lovely bit. So, you know, he mm. said that could have all been all condensed into two very cool parts of Doctor Who, but alas, uh, it's six parts of just monotony and ear splitting. Yeah. Should we talk about some good bits though? I haven't. I, I've got very little. Very, good bits, but go on. Tell oh, me mate. what have you got? Go on. Uh, the good bits were. The initial set design on some of the things, very, very mm-hmm. cool there. So whoever the production designers were, um, it doesn't say on uh, on Wiki, who's a production assistant. Uh, so Norman Stewart, production assistant, um, production design. Yeah, it's difficult to try and dig names out. Um, 
because it's so old. I think that's uh, hmm. Norman Stewart, yeah. And um, and uh, so the scene where they first land on the planet is nothing special. It looks like the moon, basically, doesn't it? Pretty much. Pretty much. But when they get into um, some of the uh, caves and so on, there's a bit where Ian, and um, he makes buddies, doesn't he, with one of the Monoptera. Yeah. Uh, Restus, I think his name is. They're climbing up all the vines and stuff. That looks very cool. And then a bit later on, when they get to um, to the the animus, you know, where is it? The um, the carcinome, I think, where they sort mm-hmm. of you, they find this big creature. That looks very cool. You can tell that they spent a bit of time building that up and stuff, and the lighting effects on that look really good. Yeah. Um, so a couple of the sets were okay. Um, and then the other cool thing was just the sheer amount of into it the supporting cast were i've mm. never i've it's very rare do you see a speaking part where you're in full costume top to toe face painted everything like that and you are absolutely that character because typically <laughs> with classic who and the supporting cast they're normally just um if it's not one of the main baddies they're normally just shuffling around in the background. Like mm-hmm. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. Non-speaking part, but you're in costume. These dudes, no, 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 no. These dudes are are properly going for it. So you can tell that, to his credit, Richard Martin did whip them all up into a bit of a an insectoid frenzy. Because mm-hmm. even the bits where it's all kicking off and you've got the Monoptera flying off set on cables, you've yeah. got the Zabi, like, mad, yeah, trying to do what they can in these big clumsy paper mache suits and stuff um all supporting cast members are properly going for it mate they are properly in character especially some of the monoptera characters they are properly in character mate so i love that 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 has got a certain charm about it yes i would agree with that i think um those people in the monoptera outfits are in their head they're on the royal court they're in the Royal Court Theatre or something, giving the yep. performance of their life. Yes. Um, they are definitely into it. I'll give them that. And I do love the <laughs> costumes, mate. I mean, they're very much of their time, but there is a they have a charm about them, you know, whereas yeah. I think the episode doesn't. The the Minoptras, you know, when they're flying around on those cables is something to behold. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the time, it's quite eye-opening. I, I would imagine this is one of those stories that if you were to have seen this back in 19... Is it 63 or 64? Back in the day. 65, mate, yeah. 65, okay. Yeah, yeah if you'd have seen this story back in 1965 and then you hadn't seen it since and you heard it was on DVD, I bet you, in your mind's eye, you'd be like, oh, I remember that being amazing. There were these people flying across the screen, like these giant creatures, and oh, I bet it was amazing. And then you'd put it on and it'd be one of those things that you'd be so disappointed with, at, like mm-hmm. how it doesn't live up to your memory yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Peter Capaldi might have said that, actually. I think at a convention he said, you know, he used to love this story and then he'd seen it recently and was like, couldn't believe how it was nothing, how we remembered it at all, you know. But yeah, there is a chance of costume and you're right, the actors um, are definitely giving a performance that, (laughs) gosh, without it would have made this even harder to to get through, I think, because they're interesting to watch in that sense. Yeah, you know, they're doing something, they're bringing something to it, let's put it that way. Yeah, and if nothing else, they are consistent 
and mm-hmm. reasonably well constructed costumes as well. I like I do like the look of them. Yeah, yeah I have to be honest. Across yeah. the board really. Like the Zabi look pretty cool. I mean mm-hmm. th- there's nothing really otherworldly about them. They're just based on earth ants right they're just giant ants. yeah um but the monoptera they're very cool you know they're like moth kind of creatures and stuff but you know they're they're very cool and um they both look great in photographs you know if yeah. ever you see f- production stills of this episode again if it was missing if this was a missing story and you would just and we only had photographs to look at i think you'd be this would be one we'd be absolutely like biting at the teeth to to have returned we'd be like oh if only we could see these on screen because they do look great in Mm. in pictures you know in black and white pictures these outfits yeah no they do look very cool and Mm. um so that the costumes themselves are really cool but if we think about a story that we reviewed recently planet of the daleks yeah um, the the quality of the dalek props were atrocious (sighs) yes you know so to their credit on this story at least all the costumes consistently look very good mm-hmm. and mm. uh, so that's a cool thing um what even the larvae guns or the larvae guns oh god <laughs> whatever they are those things are... and they're wheeling around on the floor <laughs> just like <laughs> but they were great fun just to, they're obviously on like a, a a tray on wheels or something they're shuffling across the floor aren't well, they? i thought it was a person on all fours I think sometimes it is, but you yeah. know, sometimes they shoot across the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they must be on wheels. It's on a tea but I think tray. most of the time, yeah, it, yeah a tea tray. <laughs> yeah, a tea trolley, probably. Yeah. But I think you're right. Most of the time, it's just someone on all fours, which must have been quite uncomfortable. But actually, yeah. the Zabi as well, those actors, they, their backs must have been killing them. Yeah. Like being bent over mm-hmm. in that position for so long. I couldn't, can't imagine what they were going through to film this. You can see the little. <laughs> circle where they're looking you know the little eye hole in the chest so the actors are looking out as well and uh well (laughs) i don't think they could see much because one of them bumps into the camera at one point (laughs) doesn't it very obviously as well it nearly knocks it flying (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the other thing as well with the um with the direction in terms of um people knocking about in costumes Mm. is that at one point i thought i've been here before I've been in this situation before, and I'll tell you what it was. Um, years ago, when my son was younger, uh, at one of his school plays, there was a bit in the play where everybody just has a ruck. It's like it kicks off. And <laughs> yeah. you can tell that whichever teacher was directing the play had quite obviously just said, look, just run around on the stage, pretend to hit each other a little bit. You fall over, you over there, you fall over. And uh, and then I'll just watch from IQ, and then we'll bring it back to some to some normality. And you can tell that that's what's happened in a couple of scenes. There's a bit where, when it all kicks off properly first between the Manuptra and the Zabi, mm-hmm. and it's just chaos, mate, for two or three minutes. There's nothing. There's no music. There's nothing. All you can hear is like the echo of like the big Zabi costumes. As like one of the Manuptras just got a big hand like boom like (laughs) gives him a wallop and then he runs off and gives another one a wallop and then one of them's been hoisted up and he's got vertigo and then he passes out because the guy on the cable's like right whip him off the edge of that little cliff bit there and it's just (laughs) chaos mate and nobody seems to know what they're doing it's just they're aimlessly like you know going to one another stuff so um costumes wise very very cool i love that but direction wise for when they're actually doing things in the costume 
It's just chaos, dude. It is. There's Absolutely a scene nice. at the end where they're all kicking off, they're having a good old <laughs> scrap, and it is chaos. And I kept thinking, I I would love it if when you were watching this, Nat was Nat, Nat your partner, was just to walk in at this exact moment, and she would be like, <laughs> it, yeah. "What the blimmin' heck are you watching?" Like it is, it is like something otherworldly, and it? it's just a Mate, chaos. Yeah, you read my mind because I was thinking exactly that. What, I was what thinking, if she walks in now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, if that's the word to use, my wife has been away with work this week for a few nights, so I thought, ah, perfect. You know, a couple of episodes an evening, it's not going to be too bad. But I know for 100% that if she was to walk in and I was watching it, she would look at me like, uh uh-huh. Are you serious, what Gary? What are, is this? Are we serious with this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, but... Um, oh dude having said that it's got that lovely charm about it still it's still mm. got that old school everyone just doing their bloody best this is the story we've got this is the budget we've got let's just crack on you know and do it so it has me but i mean the direction i mean richard it's richard <laughs> martin isn't it the director Richard martin, uh, yeah. which is a name i recognize i think yep. you know he did quite a few and i, I watched the little making of afterwards because i was so intrigued about Same. the production yeah. of this and he mm-hmm. it sounds like he was really into it and he was trying to film stuff using mirrors to get good angles and i'm thinking i just didn't what the whole time i was watching this just couldn't help but feel how flat the whole thing felt and i i i, I was sort of putting that down to the direction really but having listened to him and all the stuff he did and tried to do Maybe it just was a production nightmare. Maybe there was no way, good way for him to film this in the way yeah. in with what they had at the time. Because the problem is, it doesn't. I think one of the reasons it really drags to me is not just the monotony of the same stuff happening over and over again. I mean, in the middle of the story, when the Doctor and Vicky get constantly taken back and forth by the Zarbis and they have that funny thing put around their neck and then the Doctor goes under the hairdryer for the hundredth time and, you know, there is so much monotony. But the thing that I really noticed was that there is no atmosphere to the story. You know, there's, there's like you mentioned the music, there isn't that much in it. Like there are scenes where there are fight scenes and you'd expect some classic 60s who stock music to kick in or something. It's just, like you said, you can just hear the studio and the costumes battering around there's no sort of atmosphere created by music or or anything like that and like you said all we do really have is the sound effects which are really distracting um the sound design just seems really odd in this story to me like yeah the lack of music the lack of i was going to say sound effects i mean sort of like planet sound effects not beeping sound effects you know something to create the world sound effects you know like a wind sound or something you know it it just feels very flat in tone this whole story um and very often the vocals are sort of quiet or whispery and then they're loud and i don't know it just there's definitely something missing in terms of like the finished production in terms of the sound design, I feel. Because yeah. um, it just feels so flat. Every scene just feels... It is almost like you're sat in the front row of a a play watching a performance. It's it, You're just literally looking straight on for most of the time. I, I mm-hmm. find the direction really flat, um, which I feel bad saying, having heard Richard Martin talk on The Making Of about how he tried to inject all this life into it. And the only bit I can see that in is when the Monotra are flying around... You know, which looks fantastic. That really, you know, there's a scene when I think the camera's going up as one of the Minotra flies down. It's a great shot, but mm. I just found it so stilted. The whole story, 
Yeah, know? agreed. And, the, and um, maybe it's the sets as well, mate, because they are so limited. I don't think that helps. No. Yeah, and the music is a strange thing. So I mentioned they were, it was a couple of French composers and mm. they didn't write the music specifically for this story though. So technically it no. is stock music, but it was created by a group of French composers and they did it all on glass tubes and it's very, I think mm. Richard Martin liked it because um, it sounds ethereal and, you know, alien, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, they reused some of it as well on Galaxy in Galaxy 4. Oh, okay. Which we obviously don't know because we can't watch it, but they did reuse um, some of it. But it's, um, yeah, I, I think what you, I think the frustrations that you and I are, are vocalizing here, and I think a lot of fans have, have, have done the same. I think, do you know what? I think, um, I think Ian Russell shared that during production as well, because I think, I could be wrong, but I think it was during production of this story that he was like i'm done with oh is it <laughs> yeah okay I, i'll yeah. have to confirm that give me a second but mm. i'm pretty sure it was this one that he was like nope this is like <laughs> <laughs> um you know there's there's fun and quirky and there's weird and and strange but i, th- I think he was just like it, if they had more money and he could do more with it mm. and the, the outcome was a bit more had well if the story had more substance and the outcome was a bit more polished then perhaps it would have been better. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, uh, William Russell was like, no, done with know. done with Doctor Who now. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that in, in terms of production that I've always disliked about the story is the Vaseline on the lens as well, because I think maybe this is a time thing, but it seems like sometimes there's only a little bit and mm-hmm. I guess that works all right. But a lot of the time, they, it's as if someone's just grabbed a handful of it and smeared it all over the lens and it's... Or well, it's just too much. Like it's so blurred. I, I well, can't believe that people didn't think their TVs were faulty back <laughs> in the day. Because especially that end scene, it's so blurred that you can hardly see the TARDIS windows, and and then it pans round to the Monoptera, and they they look completely out of focus. It's it's just too much. And I I don't know whether they just didn't have time to like you know spread it out and make it look how they wanted, but it looks literally looks like someone's grabbed a handful of Vaseline and shoved it on the lens and thought, oh, that looks alien planet-ish, that'll do. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. distracting for me. I don't know if, it, if other people feel like this, but it's one of the things that every time I have put this episode on or this story on really frustrates me, this blurred picture mm-hmm. all the time. It re- I really don't like it. Yeah, it's a bit of a myth that putting Vaseline directly on the lens, it's it's... It's just meant to create that kind of effect. It's actually, um, it's actually another camera lens that's put in front of the actual lens. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, and it's a. It's, well, back in the day, it was just a. There's no posh term for it. It was just a distorting lens. It just looks awful. Yeah, but it gives the illusion that, you know, a lot of people say it just for comedic effect. The illusion mm. that you've just smeared some, some vaseline across the lens, and it you know right. does that effect. But yeah, in some scenes, it looked really good. Like there was a couple of scenes when they're up on the surface of the planet and um, all the rocky um, uh, set pieces on the background and the stars and stuff and Mm -hmm. some of the bits there. It's got this lovely, it creates this really nice kind of um, light blurs and light streaks and stuff like that. And it does, sometimes it did look really good. But it was just used every five bloody minutes. Yeah. So yeah. by the time you got to the end, and, and I think they were a little bit hit and miss with it as well, because 
it blurs out the actors' faces in a few shots, and it does. Yeah, it didn't really. Um, I think they just got excited by it because it was like this cool thing that you could do at the time. But I find it yeah. very distracting. It I was a bit honest. Yeah. yeah, I think for like establishing shots and wide shots when you're you know at the start of a segment or a scene, I think yeah. it can look really good. But when you've got the actors who are trying to perform, and you're not catch- capturing their facial reactions to things and how they're mm. you know doing it it's a little bit yeah it's distracting isn't it yeah i yeah. find it distracting it, it it irritates me after mm-hmm. very quickly i read you yeah mm-hmm. yeah so william russell yeah it was this story he was like my enthusiasm now has just gone really oh really yeah so okay. it's no surprise either i mean this is a hard sell mm. you know what i mean so i think in the trailers and the production shots and stuff that went out before this aired obviously would have looked like a really cool piece of sci-fi like giant insects and i, I think back in the day people probably would have been quite imp- oh, i don't know impressed by the look well, of it i'm not sure i mean that we, we're talking about like real classic sci-fi stuff here this is like really old school buck rogers mm. you know the, the just typical black and white um you know trying to trying to capture people's imaginations and those early shots of the zabi you know, like the giant insects and stuff, it would have been very cool. You can imagine back in the day, in the 60s, yeah. you would have been like, Christ, this looks really good. Mm. But um, yeah, those things. I mean, I think the only comment on the Zabi, like once, I think, I think I'm pretty sure that um, Ian's having a chat with the doctor. And he's like, have you seen those things before, doctor? They're like, you know, I've seen ants eat through a house before. And, mm. you know, these things can eat through a mountain and that sort of thing. And it kind of builds up that almost horror style way of thinking about those Zabi and well, how they thought about the Zabi in the story. And you think, wow, this is going to be cool. But then, you know, all roads lead back to no money and having to have actors just shuffle around in giant costumes. But I think that's the thing, isn't it? Although the costumes look nice, impressive even for the time there isn't any threat from them. You know, like you said, the fight sequences are just so um, unbelievable. Even when Ian's having that ruckus with that lone ant, you know, <laughs> it just it just looks like he's hugging him. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. the costumes are so restrictive, I suppose, that, you know, it, when the Doctor and Vicky are captured for so long, for example, there is no threat or danger there at Not all. Really. I think that's what I mean yeah. about it, missing, lacking atmosphere. It, there's no peril at all throughout the whole episode for how throughout the whole six episodes i don't feel any threat from anything which doesn't create any sort of excitement or danger because mm-hmm. you could literally just knock those even the larvae gun you could just pick it up and throw it against the wall like like that like um who is it who does that one of the notra does it doesn't it throws it against just the lobs wall it, yeah. yeah lobs it against the wall yeah mm-hmm. yeah or crushes it by laying on it, falling on it. You know, it's just <laughs> mm. yeah. Before we get on, to, before we get on some characters, um, there was a couple of cool bits in the TARDIS as well. The TARDIS scenes are quite cool. There's a bit where, mm. um, obviously, the opening scene was quite cool, uh, but there's a bit where the Doctor's got some snazzy equipment that he drags out of the TARDIS, isn't there? There's a bit where they can't open the doors because they lose oh, power yes, and stuff. Oh yes, the astral map. Yeah, and um, well, mm. before that, there's a bit, isn't there, where he's got oh. like this sort of motion detected thing it's a ornament thing and he waves his hand in front of it and the doors open oh yes and he's all yeah. proud of yeah. himself he's like what do you think about that then mm. yeah yeah but the astral map and stuff that's very cool i do like the astral map yeah, yeah. so some really old school um sci-fi design like little bits and bobs that are just laying around the tardis that 
you don't normally see that often. So they, that was kind of cool. Those I guys. always like it when we get scenes in the TARDIS in, in this era, to be honest. They just they always seem to just throw stuff in like that, don't they? And we see rooms like with where Barbara and uh, Vicky are just having a little lay down and a rest and a chat. I don't know, it feels like a, a home, the TARDIS, mm. in, in the early series. So I always quite like um, episodes like that, like the early setup and all that sort of thing where we get to see bits of the TARDIS and what the Doctor's got hidden in there, you know, mm. the food machine and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's a slightly more interesting, I think, when the TARDIS is explored, you yeah, know, yeah. just a little bit, not too much. Yeah, And some nice snazzy 60s comfy chairs as well. Vicky has yeah. a little nap. Uh-huh. Yeah, some nice stuff. Yeah, the TARDIS has got some cool stuff, you know. It has. When they decide to show it. It's got some, <laughs> some very cool bits and pieces. Okay, so story-wise, really, really simple. Uh, Yes. You know, Zabia have turned up. They want the planet. Uh, sorry, no. The the Animus has turned up with the Zabi to take over the planet. They're being controlled. The Monoptera are like, okay, we're going to have to flee. But they're sort of there um, to sort of stage a bit of a, a comeback, I guess. And now the Doctor turning up with the TARDIS team, they can, you know, get to that a lot more quicker now. So there's a bit of a trust issue at the beginning, but then the Doctor gets to it, um, gains their trust, and uh and and gets the planet back they they destroy the animus or supposedly destroy it barbara mm-hmm. does that with the isotope which is just a just a cricket ball essentially that she holds up in front of it and job done there you go so story wise character wise pretty simple um now i can't remember all of the specific names for the specific characters no in chance, the scenes no. with <laughs> the monoptera so we've got people like Hrostar, Honda, propilius helio hetra uh, so we know Vrestin. So Vrestin is the is the the Manuptra that teams up with Ian, and oh, they yes, go off on a yes. bit of a mission and yeah. stuff like that. So they were kind of cool. Um, and then the only other Manuptra character that kind of stand out was the young one. You know, she's only got little wings. Oh and yeah, she's yeah. quite young, so she yeah. was very cute. Um, and that, I don't remember the names of the the Optera, those guys, the no the bug idea. creatures that turn up halfway in. But you know some of those are fairly cool and they had a the Manuptra had a kind of heartwarming performance in a few places you could tell that they were gutted mm. that they had to leave their planet and they were delighted at the end where water starts flowing on the planet again they can rejuvenate you know regrow mm. everything and so that was kind of cool so any any thoughts on the performances of those guys they were kind of cool and cute at the same time yeah i was gonna say i i, I didn't warm to much in this episode but i did warm to the Manuptra. And then that is definitely down to the the performances of the cast. Uh, I think they managing managed to bring character to these creatures, if you like. Like you said, through a lot of makeup and prosthetics and goodness knows what, they managed to bring a character through all of that. So yeah. yes, I, I did. I did like them in that sense. Yes. You know? Yeah. On to the human characters. And what do you think to Maureen O'Brien as Vicky in this one? She um she has a couple of bits to do, um, mm. but nothing. Nothing too crazy. She is all right. I thought, yeah, I, I didn't feel like she was particularly... I would, let's put it this way. If I, I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't particularly enjoy making this story. She looked a bit bored <laughs> to me in her performance. I didn't feel like she was giving much. I mean, there is, a, there is the bit where the TARDIS is being dragged off. And for some reason, and I don't see why Vicky would do this, she starts hitting all the controls. And I think the viewer thinks the TARDIS has taken off at first 
but it turns mm. out that it's actually been dragged away. But I don't think Vicky would flip all those switches and, and try and take off because she she would be worried where she would end up. She wouldn't leave the others behind. So that didn't make sense to me. Um, and then she pretty much spends the middle of the story just stood around with this thing around her neck. Um, and then she collapses at the end in front of the big old creature that, uh, in the in the sky. So I don't think it's a particularly good story for Vicky, in, in all honesty. I think she gets a few bits to do, but they're not very good things. So I don't think it's a particularly great story for her, to be honest. No, I read you. You know, and Hartnell's... Yeah, even when she's got some scenes with Hartnell, which they're quite good together, those two, but he he's just gets cross with her in every scene. He's just sort of, oh, go go back to that TARDIS, you city girl, and all this sort of thing. That's not what I asked you to get, and all that. He just gets cross with her. So there's no sort of nice little moments between her and Hartnell in this one either. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not a good one for Vicky, I don't think. No, I agree, dude. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Uh, what do you think to Ian and Barbara then? So they get split up for the majority of the story. Yeah. Barbara gets captured. There's a bit of... There's a bit of escape and evade, I guess, going on. Mm. And then she's... um, She never loses her rag, though, Barbara, in this one. She's always fairly... um, I don't know. She's. I wouldn't say she's lacklustre or anything like that, but she's... Her attitude is more understanding Mm. of what's going on rather than... Yeah, whereas Ian, you know, typically, and he goes off to do some... To get fisty cuffs in and a bit of adventure and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, Ian was very cool in this one. It was a great scene where you you knew that William Russell was set in this tone right from the beginning. So he quizzes the Doctor at the beginning about because they go off don't they to explore at mm. the beginning, and uh, the Doctor realizes the TARDIS is gone. He goes back to Ian. He's like, hmm, hmm, bad news. Ship's gone. And as soon as he said that, says that, you could just see both of them um ian and william russell combined roll their eyes as if to say for god's sake here we go again this is mm-hmm. just useless you you can tell that the way he looks at the doctor and rolls his eyes is like you're useless you are just absolutely useless <laughs> um so uh, i like even though um william russell wasn't too keen on this story and you could tell that he wasn't as good as some of the previous ones um i still like him in this he's still okay and barbara's just a bit she's okay just yeah nothing there's no fireworks no big standout moments i don't think no i i'd agree i mean i love love barbara love the character and i love it when she occasionally loses a rag but she doesn't in this um and very much in the same thing that i just said about vicky's character i think barbara gets couple of little moments but they're not great moments you know the bit where she's her arm is dragging her out the TARDIS and the door's shut but for the net some reason in the next shot they're open again and I yeah again it just seems like a very messy production in so many ways um I I know it will be down to time constraints but yeah Barbara for me just gets lost in the story a bit I can't really think of any great moments from her sadly Mm. probably the nicest one is her having that little chat with Vicky right at the start um, but it's such a short scene. Ian, I agree, gets a bit more to do. And William Russell is always great. Um, he always gets stuck in. <laughs> and I do particularly like the early scenes with him and the Doctor putting on these unusual costumes. It's always nice, I think, when we get to see characters putting on a spacesuit or something different. It just, I don't know, it just adds a bit of variety to the show. And 
I do like those early scenes of Ian and the Doctor when his tie gets burnt and he's getting cross with the Doctor and his pen flips off and the Doctor's like, what are you talking about, boy, and all this sort of stuff. So there is some fun moments with Ian and uh, there are some fun moments with Ian and the Doctor as well. He does, as usual, get to go off and do his own thing and get stuck into the action. So, yeah. It's not a bad one for Ian. It's it's not one of his best. I mean, you no. know, even uh, I think we're being a bit generous by saying, you know, it gets to do lots, but he, he does get to do more than the others. Um, you can tell that the scene at the end when he's climbing through the vines trying to get to the main creature or whatever he's doing, um, if you look at the production notes, it said that this story was massively underrunning, like... <laughs> You know, so they was the director was saying to to William Russell, you know, make sure you take your time, you know, really pad this scene out the best you can because we need to we've we, we've you know it's coming in at like sixteen minutes. We really need to pad this episode, last episode, and you can so tell because it takes him forever to get up that blimmin' vine shaft, whatever he's doing. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, again, William Russell always very watchable and yeah, lovely scenes with him and Hartnell as well. Yeah, definitely. Beginning yeah. and end, like you mentioned, the ending is fun as well <laughs> when he's still going on about his tie and yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, you nailed it, dude. He's he's. We're not saying that he has loads to do in this, but he does have a bit more to do than the others. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And then what about Mister Hartnell? Then so, mm. um, I don't think he was written very well in this one. Nor do I actually. Do you agree? Because yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, because. Other than a couple of times where he's trying to school the other, when he's trying to school Vicky or or, or Ian on what's going on, mm. he typically just sort of fumbles around. And like the other, there's a couple of scenes where the 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 blow dryer comes down and he's conversing with the animus and stuff. The blow dryer, yeah, yeah, and, and he's playing it a bit cool, isn't he? He's got his poker face on. Yes. You know, he's like, well, yeah. you know, I haven't read my charts yet and I haven't done this. And if you knew our whereabouts, why are you asking me? You know, he's kind of cool and he's, you know, he's not, he's not buckling under the pressure or anything like that. And that's, that's pretty good. But for the most part, I don't know, he's, he's not even fumbling lines that much in this one. He's not too bad, but uh, there's a couple, but he's no, not. No, no, you just reminded me actually. Yeah, there is a great scene. Uh, no, you're right. He doesn't fumble mm. many lines, but there is a great scene, which you've just reminded me by saying that at the start, isn't there, where you can tell that he's lost his, he's forgotten what to say. Uh, it's, oh, it's when he's yeah. at the TARDIS console with Ian. Do you know mm. the bit I mean? And Ian, William Russell's really trying to help him and prompt him. And there's like this awkward silence. I mean, they would have definitely cut and re-gone. Because <laughs> uh, Hartnell's like, um, yes, we could... Uh, well, um, and Ian's going, yes, uh, what is it? Is it to do with the doors? Yes, the doors. And he's really trying to help him. You think, oh, Hartnell's lost it. He's completely yeah. forgotten what he's meant to say. But they managed to just get through that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think thanks to William Russell. And I, that's what I love about, you know, this TARDIS team and the actors that were playing those parts back in the day, mate, is you can see William Russell trying so hard to get Hartnell through that scene. Yeah, you know, they're helping yeah. each other out, and I love that. But apart from that bit where he completely forgets what he's saying, there isn't many fluffs in this, to be fair. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree, man. He's, um, not many fluffs, but, yeah. There's a couple of scenes where he's okay, but for the most part, he's just... Mm, 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 mm. He, like he does that for about a minute straight 
in, yeah. in one episode and there's nothing really happening. It's, I don't know. It, it, I feel like the script was a bit thin for the Doctor in this one. I, I yeah. absolutely agree because I love Hartnell and I think in those early in the early scenes, the first episode, he's very much he's got a bit of um, energy to him, yeah. uh, even though he's yeah. completely forgotten his lines in, in that bit. But he's got a bit of energy to him when him and Ian are exploring the planet, and I like all that stuff. But once we get past that, um, <laughs> he's very flat, isn't he? And it is down yeah. to the writing. I mean, I, I just think that Bill looks a bit lost in this story. To be honest, I think. Once we get into the heart of the story, he doesn't really know what's going on and it feels as if he's just been, right, stand there, Bill, and this thing's going to come down your head and just say this. And yeah, it's not the best story for William Hartnell, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I would like to say as well is Hartnell often criticised for being, uh, you know, sexist or whatever. Um, And obviously not just the character of the First Doctor, which is, I don't think, sexist uh, very often at all, but it's sort of thanks to... (laughs) twice by the time got that reputation because of the way Stephen mm-hmm. Moffat wrote him. But um, just, to, just to say that it does say in the production of this that William Hartnell, not the Doctor, but William Hartnell, the actor, was reading his lines and, and actually said, cut out a bit that he felt was misogynist. He said, there's a bit where he's faffing around trying to find something in the TARDIS and he was supposed to say, oh, what's Barbara done with it? She's always moving things around. Women, women! Or something like uh, that. And Hartnell yeah. said, I'm not saying that. I'm, that's He cut it. So you know, I think there's something to be said for that. I'm not trying to paint Hartnell in some sort of golden angel light, but it just goes to show that, you know, he wasn't all these things that sometimes people brand him as. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, he yeah. said, you know, I'm not saying that. That's like, what the doctor, I'm not saying that about Barbara. Mm. So, yeah. But it's not a great story for Hartnell. No, I read you. Yeah. I think he does well with what he's given, but, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not bad in it by any means, but it's just not a standout First Doctor story. Yeah. No, I agree, dude. I agree. Is there anything else you want to mention before we put a score on this, bud? Um, don't think so, really. No. No, you're good. Right. Yeah. Okay, I think it's me to go first. It is. It is. Yep. I'm going to give this a four <laughs> out of ten for me. I think, um, just to summarise, it's, uh, it's a fairly cool story, and there could have been much more depth to it and more substance had they sort of gone down the path of much larger colonies of these creatures and a few more sets here and there and you know some other bits going on but Mm. it's just a repetitive nature i mean there's some good stuff going on like the the top down bird's eye view with the mirrors some experimental stuff it's kind of cool but yeah it's um the sound design is just atrocious and it gives me a headache and yeah actors not having much to do and unfortunately our main man the doctor william hartnell just yeah being written to be a bit of a bumbler and a bit of a yeah just a bit flat dude so i can't get into this one too much i'm afraid dude so it's a four from me yeah i absolutely echo that i've also written four um i I think i'm being slightly generous even giving it four to be (laughs) honest because i i think it's a production nightmare but it does have a heart to it and it is ambitious and i feel like they've tried really hard it just hasn't come together sadly um but yeah i appreciate it i appreciate it for what it is but i can't go any harder than a four gotcha i read you okay so fours all around from us then what did our listeners think so over on the twitter titan sci-fi tom says zarby i love the imagination and designs even the vaseline smeared lens story's not the greatest though seven out of ten 
seven. seven. Oh, right. Will Sanger says it has a solid first episode and it mm-hmm. goes downhill pretty radically and quickly. It's defined by its over-the-top alien performances and ludicrous fight sequences of just fumbling Shit. about, which is nothing but laughable. Um, but there are uh, sorry, but there are no relatable characters, which just hinders the story. Chippy mm, T, when you see drawings and recreations of this, the Zabi and Monotra look great, mm. and that is the only good thing about these episodes. Life is just too short to ever watch this again. As a two-parter, this would have been manageable, but five or six, mind-numbingly slow. Three for Hartnell. Oh dear. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Edward Gillooly says a valiant attempt at creating a truly alien world, Vaseline on the lens, etc. But it ultimately fails. The start and end are okay, but middle episodes are just boring. The underground sleeping bags, sorry, grubs are truly awful. Six yes. out of ten. Six. Okay. Nick H says, "Good luck, lads. This one is a slog, even when watched one episode a day. Eight out of ten for effort. Two out of ten for the results." Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Nick. And lastly, Owen Doctor Holmes says, rubbish, flat out absolute <laughs> rubbish. The beeping, the Vaseline smeared, oh. the Vaseline smeared camera. It's not all doom and gloom, though. It's creative and the Zabi are lovely, even when they run into the camera. But sadly, yeah. the limits of 60s TV hold it back. A three out of ten. Three. Right. A three. And then over on Facebook, James Walsh says, oh dear, hugely ambitious, but very flawed. Some of it is massively embarrassing. Mm. I can't give it more than a four out of ten. Yeah. Our writer Harry says the web planet's more like the crap planet. <laughs> Harry. I'll never deny the ambition of this show, but this has to be one of the worst ever. Boring story, weak performances, and the main cast look like they'd rather be anywhere else. Yeah, they do look bored. Three out of ten from Harry. Mm. Uh, three. Andrew Stewart says, I respect what they try to do with the programme, but trying to make it more by trying to make it more creative and imaginative for the viewers. So it wouldn't be a show just about Daleks. I think in the 60s, I would have been utterly captivated by it. But now I watch it and I'm just bored, which is such a shame. Even Capaldi said he had fond memories of this story. However, watching it now, he was disappointed at how bad it was. I can see what they were going for. However, it just doesn't work. And less is said about the Monoptra, the better. A four out of ten as well. Mm-hmm. another four okay charlie turner interesting concept with the zabi but everything else in it likes to give me a headache and it yeah. doesn't need to be six parts it's a story that seems to go on and on and only and the only other story that i know that does that is the ambassadors of death during season seven mm. even though i find that to be a tolerable despite the writing being all over the place the web planet however is not tolerable at all it is boring and one of the my least favorite hartnell stories i'm sorry to say a four out of ten and I'm being generous, but it's for the performances. Fair enough. Toby Coleman, this is what I think of when I think of early Doctor Who. It may not be the best, but it has heart, and it tries to be inventive. It tries so hard to be more than what it is, and I think it went into such low expectations. Uh, And I think I went into it with such low expectations that I found some genuine enjoyment from it. It is overambitious and has plenty of flaws, but I find a charm to it, and I may be in a minority with my thoughts, though. Well, do you know what, Toby? That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Yeah. If, you've, if you enjoy it, dude, if you, uh, if you like it, then that's all good, buddy. Nice one. And then lastly, Martin Arnold says, I can't. It's utterly bonkers. Therein lies the charm. It's so alien and strange. Just a shame it can't sustain interest over so many episodes. Yeah. A shorter and tighter plot would have made it all the difference. Wonderful, unique, but heavy going. Six out of ten. Mind the set, though, Mr. Giant Space Ant. <laughs> right. <laughs> mind your personal space yeah. Zabi okay dude so 
in a nutshell, not good. No. Not good, the web planets, which is weird because they love to revisit the web planet, dude. So it's been in two books. It's been in comics. Um, there was a full-on story about it, the Davison story, Return to the Web Planet. Yes. There was another audio book which featured the... Um, so the Animus in this story was in the <laughs> McCoy Big Finish story called Black and White, and the Animus was one of the great old ones, these supremely powerful creatures that escaped the destruction of the prior universe and then they shifted into our universe so they're these mm. big all powerful things and you know so it's even though people can't really get on board with the story they do like to revisit um vortis the thing is i suppose stuff. the visuals will stay with you won't they the, the visuals i suppose are so interesting that i'm not surprised that they've made their way into loads of other things like the annual and all that sort of thing and mm. I, somebody posted a picture of an awesome uh, Monoptera badge that was from the 60s apparently it's really hard to get and rare it's like a black badge and the Monoptera's wings are all in gold and I thought god I love that so the, the visuals are very interesting I can totally see why they would be you know taken into other medium uh, whereas yeah. this story kind of gets a little bit forgotten yes I agree okie dokie then so the average score on this is probably a 3 or a 4 dude I would say I would yeah. say mm-hmm. next week then we're going well, from six to four parts. Is this going to be any better? What we got? Well, what we need after this story is an absolute belter to get us back into the show. But <laughs> unfortunately, we haven't got one. We're, oh, <laughs> we're reviewing Underworld, <laughs> the fourth oh, Doctor story. Um, <laughs> I ugh, can't remember when I last watched this. I have memories of it being one of the worst. The but minions. let's see. I mean, it's been such a long time. Will it be better than we remember? So yeah. Underworld next week. Underworld. The Minions, the Minions. Yep. I oh, can't dear. remember anything about it apart from really bad CSO. That's all I can remember. <laughs> Okie dokie. So, okay, next week then, Underworld. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's crack into that. But until then, let's wrap there, dude, for episode 378. All righty. Thank you thank you very much for listening to episode 378 and our review of the web planet so not one of our favorites i think is the is the way to go with that one but thank you so much to all of you that's contributed with your mini reviews and your scores etc and we'll be asking the same thing next week as we review the fourth doctor story underworld so get your dvds out or your brick box fired up get that watched because we're asking for your thoughts as always in the meantime make sure you're subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you won't miss an episode when it lands every single friday we also do a monthly round table and uh, you'll be grabbing that as well that's where we grab the writing team get them round the table as the name suggests and we just talk about uh, any subject to do with doctor who last month for february we chatted about shooty and doctor's outfits and what we want to see from the upcoming stuff so that's all good uh, so make sure you're not missing out on all the good stuff 
You can also listen to everything for free over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk, and you can read all the reviews and articles from the writing team. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook links on the website. Come and get involved over there. And we have a very cool free Discord server. The link is on the website. And again, don't forget to remember to check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. It is, of course... The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. Also on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everything. Everything you could possibly imagine, I'm there. Maybe TikTok. For now. <laughs> For another week, at least. Yeah, it's a rolling week-by-week thing. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but go and stalk Adam on his YouTube, on the socials, and chat Doctor Who. Indeed. Until next time, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Hey. 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 Hey.